The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, this week I had the joy of reading through Mark's Gospel all the way through twice. First on Monday night with some Anglican friends that I met over Twitter, some lay people, clergy all around the country. We all got together. Everybody took a chapter over Zoom, and we read through Mark's Gospel. And then Thursday, my old church had developed the tr tradition of every Maundy Thursday reading through one of the Gospels. And sure enough, this year it was Mark, so I hopped on Zoom with them as well. I called dibs on chapter 16 because it's the shortest one. But it was, uh, I think, a terrific preparation for me to be able to preach this text, which is the end of Mark's Gospel, at least the part we can all agree is the end. And I was struck as I listened to the Gospel being read. You know, it is a different experience, isn't it? Listening to something being read as opposed to reading it of course, the early Christians, most of them would have been illiterate, so that was the only way they would have heard these stories anyway. But, but to, to put yourself in a position where you can open your ears and you can hear, and, and things will, will strike you that, that maybe wouldn't if you were just reading. And what struck me as I listened to Mark being read all the way through is just what idiots Jesus' disciples were. I mean, in all the Gospels, they don't come off as the sharpest knives in the drawer. But, but it, Mark, especially, really seems like he wants to point out to us that Jesus did not exactly get the cream of the crop. Chapter 8 of Mark, there's this story where the disciples uh, were out on the boat with Jesus, and the setup is that uh, they forgot to bring bread. They had actually only brought one loaf which was going to be a problem for a dozen guys plus the Savior of the world. So be careful, Jesus said. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. And aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? <laughs> do you not get it yet? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? 
Don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. All right. And when I broke the seven loaves for the fourth, remember, seven lo- 4,000 people, seven loaves, I broke them, distributed. And how many basketfuls of pieces did you, did you pick up after that? You can see them all like looking at their feet. Seven. You still don't get it, do you? He said to them, do you still not understand? It probably was more like, you guys still don't get it. And so we get one last bit of shade thrown at them right here at the end of Mark's gospel by an angel, no less, when he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Right? This is the message that he gives to the women who had been faithful to Jesus, who had been the closest ones to him. These are the very first apostles, the first people to in, encounter this empty tomb and to be told to tell the story of Christ risen from the dead. Tell the disciples and tell Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and you're going to see him there, just like he told you. Just like he told you. And I have to say that these words and this picture of these disciples is such a tremendous comfort to me. You may be coming in here and you've got all your stuff together. You may have all of your finances in order and all of your professional life in order and all of the relationships with everybody that you care about is in great shape and you haven't lost anybody you care about, and you haven't gotten uh, abused, you haven't had anything bad happen to you, nobody's taken advantage of you, I probably don't have much to say to you, but if you're like me, a priest who already on Easter Sunday has dropped the gospel book twice, if you can imagine yourself being in that boat with Jesus looking at you and just shaking his head, if you can imagine being somebody that the angels rolled their eyes about, if you might just happen to be imperfect, then the riotously good news of the gospel is that Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, He rose again to demonstrate and to validate that He is the Savior that He says He was, And, and here's the wild thing, he's going to use you. You see, 2,000 years, the church has been doing the things the church does, and the church has done plenty of things wrong, but there also are some magnificent things that we have done. And yes, we celebrate these saints who have these amazing qualities of character and who demonstrated a closeness to Jesus in their lives, and frankly, the picture that's painted of them tends to get rosier and rosier the more time passes from when they actually were alive. Now, Jesus uses deeply imperfect people to do the work that He wants to do in this world, this work of reconciling all of creation to Himself is one that He does in and through His people, His imperfect people. God draws a lot of straight lines with some very, very crooked sticks. Jesus died for everybody. 
because everybody needs to be rescued. Everybody needs to be saved from themselves, if nothing else. But he lives for all because God is faithful through his promises, as the psalmist says, and loving toward everything that he has made. So when we joyfully receive the broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, we are coming like 2,000 years worth of his followers from that first dozen guys who thought that when he said, beware the yeast, the Pharisees and Herod, that he was talking about bread. We come to a table we have no right to come to on our own, but one that we're welcomed to anyway, one that Jesus has prepared for us because he loves us. And having risen from the dead, he gives us the new life that we enjoy as his people. Amen.